life is a wonderful gift that God gives both to the righteous and as well to the fool. But both, for both, life can get tough, as we just read some verses from Psalm 88. And we might all be in the like, different stages of life, but I believe that we all have situations that perhaps we are struggling with, and where new strength and new courage is needed to continue to face them. Especially when we are obeying God in our lives, when we are doing his work, Satan will definitely try to discourage us and to make us give up. George Verver, the founder of Operation Mobilization, OM, said that when you're thrust into the thick of spiritual warfare and face heavy pressure on many different fronts and attend the impossible so frequently, you are bound to meet discouragement. It is an occupational hazard and does not disappear as you advance the Christian life. I'm not sure where you got um, your partners or your families for Christmas, but um, I got Savannah hand-making butter machine, where you basically put double cream inside, and eventually after 10 minutes that you turn this like handle, it becomes butter. Easy, right? Uh, well, even though it was a gift from my wife, guess who ends up doing most of the work? Myself. <laughs> and a couple of weeks ago, we, got, um, we bought what we thought was double cream, but actually it was just whipping cream, which is a bit different. And I was there after 10 minutes doing and like still nothing, 20 minutes doing still nothing, and I had enough. But I was pouring out all the cream like into another jug to give to Savannah just to like do anything else, do like another dessert with it. Um, I noticed that it was getting slightly thicker. And I don't know how and why, but that convinced me to keep going. And eventually, after maybe 10 or 15 minutes more, it actually finally became butter. So how can we get fresh courage to keep going, not just in making butter? To continue doing what is right, to continue facing different challenges and situations in our life and not give up. And tonight we'll continue looking at the book of Joshua and we'll try to find the answer there to these questions. And as we know, Joshua was the successor um, of Moses and he takes over just as they're about to enter the promised land and he is given the task to conquer it. So not only joined after such a great leader, which is never easy, but he was also entrusted with something quite difficult. Nevertheless, as we, as we know, with the crossing of the River Jordan, uh, with Jericho and other verses, God was with him. And I don't think it's a coincidence that God stresses so much that Joshua needs to be courageous at the beginning of the book. In fact, Joshua 1.6, be strong and courageous. Joshua 1.7, be strong and courageous. 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And again, 1.18, only be strong and courageous. If God has to repeat something four times in the space of a few verses, probably Joshua really needed to hear that. And I think like many of us, he would have been probably terrified by that task. He needed to hear those encouragement from God and to have his reassurance. And tonight we'll be looking at a couple of different conversations. The first one is between God and Joshua. The second one between Joshua and Caleb. And the third one is between Joshua and the people of Joseph. 
but we will focus uh, specifically on the second conversation and get some practical points um, on how to have basically fresh courage in our lives. So the first conversation is between Joshua and God, is in Joshua uh, 13, uh, verses 1. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, you are now very old, and there are still very large areas of the land to be taken over. So Joshua is old, and we, we could probably assume that he's similar age to Caleb, who was 85. And yet there is still land to be conquered. So the job is not done. There is still more to do to finish conquering the promised land. So how does it feel when you've given it your all, but you still haven't done enough? You're wary, but you need to pick up yourself and continue. Finishing well requires fresh courage, a fresh dose of courage from God. And sadly, a great start does not guarantee a great finish. And I think this applies to all of us, regardless of our age or position in life. If you are still alive, which looks like that all of you are, God is not finished with you. He is not finished working you to make you grow in holiness and to make you more like Christ. He still has more good works for you to do. As Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are not meaningless beings floating around life without purpose. No, we are God's handiwork created with a purpose and for a purpose. So where do you feel in your life that the job is not finished? Where there is still more to do? And what are the daily works that God is calling you to do in this season of your life, to keep doing in this season of your life? And again, don't worry, when God is done with you and me, he will make it pretty clear. And the second conversation um, that will focus longer is between Joshua and Caleb uh, in Joshua 14, 6 to 12, and it's the one that Sarah uh, just read. And we read that Caleb is, uh, Caleb is quite amazing. I'm not sure how many 85 years old you know have such a confidence in the strength. Um, apologies for the picture. This is kind of like how I picture Caleb in, uh, in my head. Um, so it doesn't matter how old you are. You can and are still called to be fruitful. Aside from his age, though, Caleb is still like a great example of someone who had courage to keep going and to persevere. And I think there are three lessons that we can learn from him in this passage. And also, we see some obstacles that can hinder us from having fresh courage. Number one, Caleb believed and trusted God's promises. Simple, right? Just that. Whenever he faced a challenge or anything, he went back to them. Joshua 14, 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. And again, verse 12, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. God had promised the land to the people of Israel, but he had a specific promise for Caleb and his children. Verse 9, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. 
because you have followed the law of my God wholeheartedly. Caleb believed and held on to this promise, having to wait probably for over 45 years. Time and time had passed, but his confidence in God had not. He still had the assurance that this was going to happen and the courage to play his part to make it happen. Interestingly, even though God promised it, Caleb still had to be obedient and to play his part. Obedience is not to earn God's approval or to earn his promises. On the contrary, obedience comes as a result of us believing and trusting in his promises as truth. And like in this case, he can use and he does use our obedience to accomplish them. So God doesn't, but God doesn't just want your mere obedience. He wants your willingness in doing so. He wants you to desire to obey and to follow him and to find joy as you're doing that. So constant faith and a daily reminder in God's promises should lead to a willing obedience, which then give us the fresh courage to do the things that we are called to do. But what is an obstacle that stands in direct opposition to this? Well, if on one side you have zealous faith in God and his promises, on the other one you have lukewarmness and apathy. Both just make you care not enough about something important. Make you comfortable where you are and make you settle for less. I imagine lukewarmness with God as standing before like a very big bonfire. Just picture like a bonfire night. So hot, so hot that the rain drizzling down and the wet wood doesn't affect it. Something that is truly supposed to warm up all the people around. The kind of warmth that even reaches your bones. And if you're being close to a bonfire, you will know what I mean. But the lukewarm person stands close enough to feel a tiny bit of the warmth, but not enough to properly feel it and be affected by it. And ultimately, they are still wet and damp under the rain. How much would someone be impacted if it would be hit by a truck? It's a rhetorical question, of course, but their life will never, ever be the same. Can you imagine? So shouldn't conversion and a meeting with the living God impact us even more and change our life forever? without leaving any space to lukewarmness. Jesus in Revelation 3.6 says to the church in Laodicea, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. So being lukewarm is not a viable possibility for a Christian in God's view. And Caleb, since the beginning and throughout his life, was led by his convictions and by an unmovable faith in God and his promises, even while waiting for 45 years, which then led to a zealous, zealous willing obedience to follow his ways and to find fresh courage. But what are the promises of God to us? 
if you are his children. Isaiah 40, 31, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Deuteronomy 31, 8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I have told you, John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I overcome the world. And finally, Revelation 21, 4, he will wipe every tears from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying for the, for the old order of things has passed away. The Bible has over 7,000 promises from God to us. So we got 6,995 left, so you might want to get a cup of coffee before we go through the rest. But how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? Think about a situation where you are struggling to persevere, to keep going. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a work. Do you feel encouraged? Do you feel encouraged from knowing these things? Because ultimately, his promises will never fail. No matter what we are going through, there is always, always, the assured promise hope waiting for us at the end of the journey. The second lesson, which is strictly connected to the first one that we can learn from Caleb for fresh courage, is to follow God wholeheartedly. Samuele, are you following me wholeheartedly? Just put your name. God is asking, are you following me wholeheartedly? In a way that is completely sincere and with full commitment. Despite our daily struggles, choosing God over everything else. Joshua 14, seven to nine says, I was 40 years old when Moses, in this case speaking, the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people sink. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord your God, my God, wholeheartedly. Especially verse eight shows a contraposition between the 10 spies who went along with Caleb and uh, Joshua to check the promised land and Caleb. And this refers to Numbers 13 when the 12 spies came back from their exploration of the promised land. And at the beginning, they all said that this land, you know, flows with milk and honey. It's fantastic. However, while Caleb and Joshua were certain that they could conquer it, the other 10 spies lost courage in face of the strong habitants of the land, which they thought could never be defeated, even saying that we were like grasshoppers into the local people's eyes. So these 10 spies, we read, that made the hearts of the people sink. Have you ever felt like that? Like your heart sinking? Have you ever felt like such a fear that seems to leave no hope? 
no counter-reaction to it that just makes you freeze. A fear that leads you to give up and not even consider the possibility to keep going of renewed strength or courage because the situation seems so hopeless anyway. So maybe this is how the Israelites felt when they heard the report from these other 10 spies. Fear is a massive obstacle which can stop us from stepping out in faith and having the fresh courage in face of challenges. However, completely opposite to fear, we read that Caleb, looking back again at the past 45 years, followed the Lord wholeheartedly. He was unshakably committed to God. He knew his faithfulness and trusted his promises. He, was un- he, he, was willing, he willingly obeyed what God said, even when that would make him unpopular. And he was driven from the fear of God rather than from the fear of man. And from the desire of doing what is right rather than what is convenient and easier. So are we following God wholeheartedly or are we letting fear cripple in our hearts and discourage us? Especially in our society where fear is just so normalized by everyone and it seems to dictate countless lives. What fear do me and you need to bring to the foot of the cross? 1 Timothy 1.7, a famous verse, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And it is not even a promise like God will give us, but God gave us, past tense, he already did. His spirit is dwelling in us and he pushes us, enables us, and desire for us to cast aside fear and to live fruitful life where we follow him. And it is only by cultivating a daily relationship with the Lord that we can be more and more transformed to follow him wholeheartedly. There we can go with our problems, anxiety, fears, requests, and we can find peace, love, and a fresh courage. Following God wholeheartedly means dependence from God. And if we are dependent on him, even when we are weak, through him and in him, we can find strength. A third lesson that Caleb teaches us in how to find find fresh courage is the need to fix our eyes on the prize and to keep in consideration God's greatest purpose. Since when God blessed Abraham in Genesis 12, the plan was always for Abraham to be a blessing for others. And God said that ultimately because through the offspring of Abraham, Christ will have come and brought salvation. And all Israel's story points to that. Joshua 14, 12 says, Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and the cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. So Caleb fixed his eyes on the reward, on knowing that God would have helped him. Because ultimately, God had a purpose in the promises he had for the people of Israel. So basically, Caleb is going to Joshua and is telling him, give me this part of the land which, is not, which he hasn't been conquered yet. 
as if Joshua had any saying in it from a human's perspective. It wasn't conquered yet. But this shows that Caleb's mind was already one step ahead in accordance to what God had promised. He is not settling for less at all. Therefore, despite the challenges of the Anakites living there with large and fortified cities, Caleb knew that the hill country was already his. Not just his, but his children too. Thinking about of the good of his offspring and wanting to play his part in accomplishing God's purpose. On the other side, a couple of chapters later, we read of the people of Joseph, the third conversation I mentioned before, and they had quite a different attitude. So Joshua 17, 14 to 18, we read that the people of Joseph, um, Joseph said to Joshua, why have you allotted us only one portion of the land and one share for an inheritance? We are numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. If you, are so numerous, uh, if you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the old country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear land for yourself, there in the land of the Perizzites and the Raphatites. The people of Joseph replied, the hill country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who live in the plain have chariots fitted with iron. But those in the Beth Shan and his settlements and those in the valley of Jezreel... But Joshua said to the tribes of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, You are numerous and very powerful. You will have not only one portion of land allotted to you, but the forest hill country as well. Clear it, and its father's limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have chariots fitted with iron, and though they are strong, you can drive them out. So completely opposite from Caleb, the people of Joseph had an entitled heart, another obstacle to fresh courage. They thought that they should be given more, that they didn't have what they deserved. And even though the conquest of the land was not finished, they didn't want, they didn't want to play their part in it. They just wanted to receive. As we read, this leads to the opposite of courage, leads to lack of confidence in God, Disbelief in his promises and disbelief in his greater purpose. Entitlements led them not to take responsibilities in completing the conquest of the land and as an inhibitor from cultivating a relationship with the Lord. But Caleb wasn't like that. He realized where he was at currently and he knew that that wasn't the final picture and the, be and the, and the best had yet to come. So who do you feel that you can most relate to? Caleb or the people of Joseph in your life? Do you think you are clinging on to God, his promises, and fixing your eyes on our eternal reward? Or do you feel like you are unable to move forward because you are left entitlement and a spirit maybe of unfairness in your heart, like this is not fair, like that is not fair? And this perhaps has damaged your relationship with the Lord and stopped you from receiving the courage that you need to be an active and efficient servant in his kingdom. Also, are we recognizing God's greater purpose in wanting all people to come and to know him? And are we playing our part in it? Or are we just focused on our lens, on our life, and on our personal problems. Life is not about ourselves. We are part 
of something much bigger. Hebrews 12, uh, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such, by, uh, by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easy entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Many people, many people have gone before us having had an uncommon courage. We have just seen Caleb and Joshua, but think about David against Goliath and generally in his life, Esther, Daniel and his friends, John the Baptist and just being killed for being brave enough to call out Herod's sin. Think about Paul, Peter and the apostles who before Pentecost were basically just hiding, but then suffered much for the gospels and most of them ended up as martyrs. And I'm sure we all have examples of people that we personally know who have run the race with perseverance and have now received their prize. 10 years ago, I went to South Africa for a mission discipleship training, and there I met a South African missionary who had done uh, mission work in Italy in the late 1980s. And not just anywhere in Italy, but in a town that was 20 minutes drive from my home. And he showed me a picture of him and the people from my church at that time. And many of them sadly are not here anymore. But what are the chances? Amazing, right? I was so, so happy to, to meet and chat with him. But basically, they pioneered an evangelistic work in that town, which had been going on for over 20 years without seeing any fruit. Over 20 years. But eventually, after almost 30 years, this missionary was so glad to find out that finally, a small congregation of believers was regularly meeting, and the first church in the town was planted. 30 years of perseverance, doing evangelistic work every single week, despite the many challenges that they faced. All these examples pointing out that the Christian life is not supposed to be risk-free. We are not called to safety or to comfort on this earth. We'll have plenty of time to enjoy that in the next one. We are called to make small or big courageous decisions every day in our lives. And we have this great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us and we can look up to. So the question is, will me and you follow their example? Will we throw off everything that hinders, we heard about fear, lukewarmness, entitlement, basically sin, and will we run the race with perseverance, not growing weary. And ultimately, looking at the perfect example of Jesus, as Hebrew 12 says, fixing our eyes only on him, the one who will work in us to perfect our faith. 
the one who, despite being the king of kings, he came on earth to serve, endured thirst, hunger, suffering, temptation, and even the cross, where, the God, where, the, where God's wrath was poured onto, onto him, the one that we deserved. If there was ever any person that worked on, on this earth that was entitled to anything, that was him. So where is fairness there? And why would he do that? How could he maintain such a courage throughout his life? For the joy, we read, for the joy set before him, the joy of bringing lost prodigal sons and daughters back to the Father, the joy of making a way for us sinners to find true life, hope, and courage if we believe and put our trust in him. In the same way, despite the circumstances, we can find fresh courage in our lives. When we shift the focus from ourselves, from our problems, and from our situations, and we fix our eyes on Jesus and the wavering hope that we have, that we have in him. So let us not grow weary and lose heart, but take courage.